You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hello there. Welcome to today's session, which is a going to be a good one. It's uh, it's with two exceptional accountants, two northern lads from the the north of the UK in near uh, Newcastle, named Matthew McConnell and Jonathan Tate of Kudos Accountants. Now these two lads are only just in their thirties, but they have undergone an exceptional journey from buying into their practice, which was uh, around 100k turnover at the time, eight years ago, to growing into a £2 million plus business, which now includes a commercial finance arm as well. These these two lads have done uh, exceptionally well in terms of the growth that they have achieved over those eight years, from just the two of them to now a team of nearly 40 people. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, listen. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, make sure that you set aside some time to listen to this and take some uh, practical takeaways and some gems from this conversation, because there are certainly quite a few of them in there. And uh, they're very generous chaps. So feel free to connect with them on LinkedIn. They're in my Facebook group as well. So jump into the group. If you want to ask them any questions, feel free to tag them in. If you'd like to watch this live in terms of uh, the video version, it's available on my LinkedIn profile and my YouTube channel and, of course, the Facebook group as well. So without further ado, let's get stuck straight in and I'll see you on the other side. Take care. So I am pleased to have with me today two chaps from the north of England. Now I did ask if I could call them Geordie boys and mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have too much objection with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so these are uh, uh, John and Matt of, um, uh, I've forgotten your firm name. What's it called Kudos. again? Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. Kudos of course. Yeah, you have you have changed names. So uh, yeah. you know, I had I had the other name in, in my head for a moment there, but we'll get on to that in a minute. But yeah, there's a very uh, very inspiring story of Matt and John that we're here to discuss, as as you can see from the title, from 100k to nearly two million in the space of just eight years. So we're going to get into that. Uh, and um, yeah, so if you've got any questions, put them in the comments box and if you're listening on the podcast um then um hello to you if you're listening on demand uh, i think matt and john are both in the facebook group so if you have any questions uh, after you've listened to this on the podcast put them in the facebook group and hopefully uh matt and john will be more than happy to to answer when they get round to it so let's kick things off first of all hey matt and john how you doing hello how are we doing very well good, good. Good stuff. All right. So, right, let's kick things off. Uh, kick off with uh, your story. Tell me about, you know, how how did you kind of come into being in mm. terms of uh, running your own accountancy firm? Uh, yeah, start off, from, yeah. start off from day dot and we'll take it from there. So, so Johnny and I worked together at the, the firm where we started as, as apprentices and we were 17. So came straight out of college um, and about five years later, we, we basically got the opportunity to, it was either go, um, because the business we were working at so basically sold up, it was either go and work for the firm that we sold to, which was a very old school um, firm, or we had a bank of clients, a very, pretty small bank of clients, which we, we basically had the opportunity to, to, to buy off, off, off the firm we were working at. 
So at that point, we we, we had a few conversations with um, with a number of franchises because we didn't really have a brand to to start with, but we had the client base. Yeah. And then we um, then then that's when we joined Surtax in in two, early two thousand thirteen, wasn't it? Yeah, August August two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. We joined Surtax. We uh, just at the time too young. I think we couldn't think of a name that we wanted to use. It was either that or McConnell Tate down that route. Didn't so. sound very good. <laughs> no. We didn't like that route to be honest. So yeah, we obviously went with uh, Surtax. Did a bit of research into them. And then joined them in uh, August two thousand thirteen. And they obviously did like a bit of a start a course with us because obviously we were just young lads i think yeah. i was 22 23 uh, i was 23 you're 22 22 yeah we um so we we were both um about two years prior we both qualified aat and we were both halfway through our acca i think you just started i was probably five or six exams in um and it was it's kind of an opportunity that we couldn't couldn't resist i couldn't couldn't turn down and um, the the idea at the very start was we'll we'll uh, keep it very small and try and be niche. So you know it was, the idea was it was going to be me, Jonathan, and a couple of others, you know, doing payroll admin. And then it, it just went a bit crazy after a couple of months, and that that blew that plan out the water. Um, and then we, we we kind of took it from there, didn't we? Yeah, just spiraled from there. Really, we just. Uh... How did you, sorry, you're you're obviously, you know, you're still young, you just got this opportunity. How did you manage to kind of raise the funding to to buy out that firm at the time? Um, So we we basically paid them over a period of two years. Um, So we we borrowed money. No no money down? No, no. No, I think it was a little bit. We borrowed a little bit of money from parents and stuff like that to to get by, um, which we were quite lucky. Yeah, with really, weren't we? Well, those those clients, it was either they, they didn't want to go to the last firm either. So mm. it was either we paid paid them for it or they were gonna gonna leave anyway. So it was, okay. it was kind of a no-brainer. So we, we, we I think we borrowed about 15k of our um of our parents mm-hmm. and I think it was our parents to basically put down to buy the franchise, buy into the franchise. Um yeah, and then, then like you say, first of August we started in 2013. So. Fantastic. Amazing. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's great inspiration for anyone who's, you know, who's young, who is with another practice to show that, you know, it, it's possible. You can get into, you know, an existing practice or, or start your own with, with very little money down. And uh, there are motivated sellers out there and, uh, you know, you can structure deals to, to pay off the, the principles or practitioner over a period of time because they're, they're keen to realize their, uh, their capital. So, all right. So talk to me about the first few years. You said it went crazy. How did it go crazy? And, and yeah. what happened? Well, we, we, because we were, I think, not your stereotypical accountants, um, you know, we, we were young, we, we like having a laugh. And at, at the start, we were getting, we were getting referrals off, the, I think, the, that type of clientele. So, you know, construction, uh, construction type clients, um, you know, local tradesmen. So your small clients at the start. Um, but... We were just, I, th- I think, at the start, we were just working, working very hard to get all, all get all the work done that we had. And I think in the first, especially in the first few years, we, we were taking on any client. And like now, it, especially over the last two years, we've kind of realised that we can pick and choose. But at the start, you know, we'd maybe take on a client, do work for them for a year, year and a half, then realised they can't pay our bill. So the first, I think the first 
you, you'll back us up and saying it. The first two, three, four years, it was very difficult in the fact that we, I think we're taking too much on. Yeah. We we can't say no. That's our that's our problem. I think the problem was as well at the time. Like now, it's you find out information about all these apps and softwares and stuff like that quite easily. Everything's on mm -hmm. LinkedIn, or you have these events. I know this sounds weird from being young lads, but at the time, I just we can't even remember like being a direct debit system like GoCardless and Zero wasn't massive then. And so, yeah, we would sort of do work, waiting for a refund to come in and then taking our pay from that type thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a rare, if we knew what we knew now when we first started, but I think that's your learning curve, isn't it? Throughout the years, every, every sort of thing you've got to, you've got to learn and then like do better from that moment onwards really so yeah, yeah but, uh cash flow is always if we'd even have brilliant cash flow and it'd be up and then the next time it'd be down and stuff like that whereas now it's like everyone has a constant cash flow with direct debits and stuff like that but yeah yeah i think what like what matt said we just went crazy just word of mouth we would do a tax return for someone they'd pass our name on we do a limited company account they'd pass our name on i don't think we did any marketing for the first like three year, four year, possibly something like that. And we grew probably at about 30, 40% a year, would you on say? Average. On average. Yeah. So, um, yes, it was, it was, it, it was difficult. I, I remember it, it, there was, I think it was two years after we started trading and it was, I think October, November. And we, we had, our debtors were high. I know you obviously go on, go on about this quite a lot. Our debtors were high and we were, you know, we were living probably within the first five, five K of our bank balance. It was getting up to Christmas and we, we trialed uh, invoice finance and thought, great, it's coming up to Christmas and we'll release some cash from our debtors, obviously, because then direct debits weren't great. And um, the invoice finance company just basically kind of seized the debtors that we had. Mm -hmm. We're releasing the money because as accountants, you know, they were, I think they were, calling the client saying, how oh, can you verify this invoice? Clients were saying, well, something's, there's a little niggle. So then we got to Christmas, a week before Christmas, and we had no money to pay wages. And <laughs> it was like, oh God, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, Bar Barclays um, basically came to the rescue, gave us an overdraft. And from then, I think we learned a lot from that, that experience by trying to get, just basically trying to get, um, that is even quicker and yeah i think we you know it's still something we're, we're working on but it's a million times better than what it was even a year, a year ago yeah. so i mean we were doing like a year's worth of work and then we're having to wait for refunds to come in which might be june july august so really we're waiting 18 months so yeah like i say i think if we knew what we knew now back then it'd be a different different sort of story but then we've had about that learning curve along the way where because of these decisions we've learned learned a lot so it was going away as well wasn't it? yeah 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 uh, i think i think another big thing as well same as when we started started the business it was just an opportunity that we couldn't couldn't turn down so then in 2014-15 and um, the office we're in now and um, we got the opportunity to, to buy it for a really low price so but we didn't have any deposits so we kind of borrowed we borrowed the money to get the deposit because i mean the rental value was 60k a year but the mortgage is only 20k a year so it's kind of like a no-brainer but th this kind of set us up you know we're in a fairly big office it's a nice office and 
from 2015 onwards that we, we give the impression of a little bit more prestige and and I think more credible as well because we you know we're still fairly young but back then when we were only 24 25 you know bigger businesses still don't take you that seriously um so yeah absolutely no and, and yeah you're right in terms of yeah, looking back on it now with hindsight, I'm sure there's a lots of things that you probably would have done differently. But I want to unpick a couple of things with you, which are often you know, cited as the most common challenges for accountants with their own firms when they're looking to grow and scale. And clearly you guys have uh, scaled very fast. Uh, so, you know, to go from 100,000 to over 2 million in the space of eight years, that is some significant growth there. So we're going to unpick because the biggest challenges I hear are how do I get new clients? How do I new move in new business? That's challenge number one. Challenge number yeah. two, and Bev has asked this as well, is on recruitment. So, yeah, we can get the work in, but we just can't find the people to actually manage the work and do the work to the standards that we require, the quality, et cetera. So let's start off with the new business. Initially, you said it was word of mouth and it just snowballed. But what did there come a point in time where you started to get a bit more strategic? And what kind of stuff are you doing now, having kind of gone through the process of trying what works, what doesn't, to give some pointers as to actually, yeah, this is what we're doing now. This is how we're more strategic in winning business and winning business of the right kind, paying the right kind of prices. So what kind of gems can you share with the audience on that one first? My, my take's always been if we – if we do a really good service for a client, that's going to breed new new business. So, you know, especially in the early days and even still now, you know, we, we put a lot of work in because we want to be able to turn jobs around quickly, accurately, and you know, to, to a good standard, but give the client a good good service. And then quite because quite quickly we found that we, we were doing that. Um, and that's when a client would say, Oh, speak to speak to so and so and and it, it grew from there. From a marketing point of view, we've it's only really in the last year, year and a half that we started. You know, we've, we've put put effort into our website. Yeah, um, trying to get newsletters out monthly on information, yeah. things like that. Um, I think obviously, I think a big change for us when we definitely started growing was when we started adding all on services on. So obviously you've got the likes of, you know, everyone talks about advisory and things like that, but we started doing more management report and cash flow. Then obviously we bolded on the commercial finance. Then we obviously started bolding on like sort of assets and things like that, like yeah. your tax efficient cars and vehicles, then your, your pensions and stuff. And basically we'd be coming where like, they would just come to us for everything. We'd always be the first port of call where they'd come to and they'd ask, you know, I'm thinking about this. What do I need to do and things like that? So once they, once we got to that, we were their whole service from there on in. Yeah. And if all we needed to do was well, get a referral off them, might have just been for a finance. If we get the referral for the finance, eventually they might start speaking to us about the accounts and things like that. So yeah. I think the board on services definitely took us yeah. to like that next level type of thing where the referrals started coming through. Yeah. The marketing, we don't really we haven't really massively pushed on Google ads and yeah. and we do a little bit of social media, but we mainly just try to do internal newsletters um, to clients to keep them to deal with all the information. We try and do more blogs now, get the websites going, and then eventually that'll feed through to social media. So yeah. that's been really the last year and a half where we started pushing that. I think our marketing point of view is like Matt said, we've always been trying to make sure that we do a really good service and the best form of 
like marketing is someone referring you in basically because yeah. obviously it's then a hot lead straight away isn't it yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. sounds like you've got your referral systems uh yeah nailed down to a t and yep that is the that is the biggest source of new inquiries for most accountants but what so what can you share in terms of you know the type of referral systems that you've put in place so that it's not just uh you know waiting for the next referral to come around the corner it's more strategic there is a system in place and you know actually you can then predict have a predictable kind of uh um stream of inquiries coming in because you've got these systems working for you what did you actually kind of tangibly do that other people can take away yeah. and, and start to practically implement yeah well i mean again we, we focus a lot on ex on the experience um, but we also focus quite a lot on, on what do you call it networking um you know being being out with clients basically you know we we tried the bni um type of networking didn't really work but then you know last year we we hosted a golf day which was which was a massive success because you know we've got clients there which are kind of getting to know us personally you know we we're having a drink with the clients and 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 they enjoy it more from, a, from an actual strategic point of view, we, I mean, it, sound, it might sound daft, but we, I don't think we've ever actually had a proper, we never had a proper marketing plan or marketing strategy because we, because we focus more on getting the service right. And, you know, if, if we turn a set of accounts around in a week or we do somebody's tax return kind of in the same day, clients kind of love it. And, you know, that, that that's where we get Get more work from and also just you know being able to be be at the end of the fo a phone call most of the time when um when the clients need a chat you know instead of the client having to you know wait on hold to, to the reception and then you know they, they they've all got our direct numbers so they'll all come straight to us um but yeah i mean that even in the last year and a half we've you know we've we've put a lot of money into marketing we've tried we're trying seo um, but like like Johnny says, you know, the, the the word of mouth is still you know by far the best for us. The, the, I don't know if you call it a strategy. That's a funny thing, but it, yeah. it is a strategy for us. Yeah, it works for us. So we've obviously got you know like <clears throat> referral scheme for the staff. So if the staff refer people in, yeah, we obviously give them rewards for stuff like that. Yeah. And that's across all the businesses, all the services and stuff. So we obviously do things like that. Yeah. But in terms of actual monitoring referrals, we've never really said we expect this amount in. Yeah. We just basically look at our fees each year and what we want to grow by and try and work to that growth, set targets, set targets for the staff um, on billing and stuff like that. Yeah. And then work from there, really. But yeah. I know it might sound crazy, but we don't actually have like a full marketing sort of strategy on it. Yeah. We've always just went down the full word of mouth route, haven't we? Yeah. I think just to add as well, from a because we're very hands-on with I think most, if not all, of our clients. Um back in 2017 when we when we got our FCA uh, FCA license for commercial finance, basically credit brokering, means that the, them clients are coming straight to us for things like raising funds so you know and we're not having to go to say you know a, a company where you know we have to give away say 60 or 70 percent of the cut of the commission we you know we're we're doing all the work we're packaging it and then we're we're passing it on to the lender yeah so you know for, i think in 2017 18 midway through 19 that's really when when we grew because you know we had the commercial finance 
really kicking off because we had better relationships with lenders. We we knew the processes much much better, and we streamlined everything we do from the from the point of onboarding new clients. So it's really easy to onboard the new client, whereas before you know years ago we would have peer performance and we then pass it on you know to other people in the team. It's just a waste of time. Now it's really slick and streamlined. So that that helps being able to take on more and more clients because we know where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's, that's fantastic. And, and uh, I appreciate you haven't got a kind of a, you know, I, I, if you're getting that many referrals and you're growing that fast, then uh, it's it's working for you. But clearly you have investors in your customer experience. And that is important because, as I always say, that, you know, no matter if you're the greatest accountant and no matter how good your set of accounts are or your tax return are, your client can't tell your tax return or accounts apart from another accountant. All they can tell apart is the experience they have in working with you. How quickly do you get back to them? How quickly do you turn around their tax return and their accounts? That experience of working with you is the only thing they can compare you to another accountant with. And that's why we need to invest in our experiences. Clients don't care how long it takes you. They care that they get it within a certain turnaround time that they need, for example, for mortgage purposes or for another purpose that matters to them. So, yeah, that's great. Okay, there's um, uh, let's, let's just start taking some questions from those that are uh, that are tuning in. So here's one from Bev, a link to what you were just saying there, Matt, around, uh, you know, because you're saying that the clients come into you. So do you find that your clients still want you to, or have you organized that your clients go to your staff as your first port of call? Yeah. So clients, it's, it's a bit of a mixture. We've kind of educated the clients now to that, you know, that we're not the best people to speak to for, for some, some things like VAT returns and stuff like that. A lot of the clients do still come to us, but you know, we we we're very good now in in just simplifying what needs to be done, pass it off to the best person in the team. But from our point of view, we we prefer still to be that that you know first part of call because we're recognizing opportunities where we can, you know, maybe upsell a commercial finance package or you know, we can see that the client's got too much money in the bank, so refer them to our pensions, our, our wealth wealth partners and um it's it's quite a good ecosystem like that but yeah. it, it kind of starts starts with us and we we, we do have a bit of a moan saying you know because clients are sometimes a bit needy but you know if you can if, you, if you're not hanging about on phone calls or emails and things are turned on as quickly as you can <laughs> and put to the right team member then i don't see it being too much of a too much of an issue yeah i think what we're saying with the first part of call is we've got client managers in place below us so mm. we've got my, myself and matt's got our own clients we've got our own staff underneath us within that team so i've got my own staff and matt's got his so as first part of call we know the clients know what to go to the client managers for, for yeah. and then they know what stuff to come to us for so the higher end tax planning and like matt's saying the, the financial packages and stuff like that they would come to us for like day-to-day -day stuff like a VAT query or you know a tax return query account query zero query all that sort of stuff basically yeah. would then go to the client manager and they would deal with most of that yeah brilliant excellent so um yeah another question coming in from neil here so maybe this might um, be the time to talk about you know the structure you mentioned you've got client managers underneath you but you know i think you've got how many 40 odd employees now so uh and neil is asking how have you managed to maintain margins whilst growing with new staff offices investments in tech etc so yeah maybe just talk about kind of the, the structure you have and then touch on you know your recruitment how you recruit when you recruit that sort of thing to um to make it yeah. right 
So we've, um, so in terms of margins, and I think a lot of firms have been in the same boat as us, we, we took a big hit last year. So part of it, you know, things like furlough claims, you know, we didn't charge, um, we didn't charge at all for furlough claims. So it was our, our thoughts where we'll give back to the client. So we were still having to take staff members on, but you know we weren't receiving income for for the, the time they was they were spending. Um, but we, you know, we're very conscious of what our fees are. We always have been. Um, you know what our you know what our monthly figures are, are, are like because we we have months where things will slip and we realise that zero fees go through the roof, which is a problem that we've got now. So you know that's that just eats into profit. So we. we we try and you know we have regular fortnightly catch-ups to go through numbers, go through our you know monthly billing, even though we're on monthly um, most of our clients are on direct debit. Um, hopefully, all of clients will be on direct debit middle of the year, but it, it, is, it is. But yeah, it's it's just being just being conscious of what you know how we how we're doing. But like I say, with our debtors, cash flow hasn't been great through, through the years, but it's only really in the last. I think in the last six to seven months since we started using Go Proposal, that it's um, you know we, we've, we've kind of I I think we've ironed ironed some niggles out. If that makes sense. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean obviously within terms of margins, you know, one thing that we're conscious of is budgeting. We do budgets constantly. We know basically if we take on another staff member, sort of what fees we need to be at to take on that staff member. Yeah. So depending on what sort of role they are. So, you know, if the obviously you're um, the client manager, we know what fees we need to take on to be able to take on that client manager. And then obviously they're on, once we get new clients in, we would distribute it to that client manager to build their portfolio up. Once they get to a certain level, again, we would give them a bookkeeper underneath. So every client manager has a bookkeeper. So the bookkeeper does all the work, day-to-day stuff, and then the client manager is basically final accounts, reviewing, speaking to the client, things like that. So very caught like conscious with our budget and setting a budget out each year we also budget per like staff per partner so i've got a budget for my team matt's got a budget for his team the guys at sherbin where we've opened our new office up and they're over there they've got a budget for their team so we've always conscious about margins and we know roughly what percentages we need to be at to be able to take on new stuff basically yeah. i would say yeah. on that Mm, fantastic and um any obviously you've, you've gone through uh you're up to how many you know is it 38 40 employees yeah across all the businesses yeah 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 30, so you've actually gone through a fair few in your in your time <clears throat> since you first started so any tips on recruiting uh bev is asking uh given the, the yeah. number that you're up to and no doubt the challenges you would have had uh in mm-hmm. that area yeah i mean basically we started off with apprentices so we always took on apprentices when we first started <clears throat> again that was just obviously at the time it was just a new starting business and things so we've been quite lucky where quite a few of them apprentices have stayed right through with us and now they've actually worked the way up we've taught them all the way through and they're now client managers quite a few of them a few of them last year we took on a new management accountant so basically we, um, we recruited a new management accountant to come in and run that department. So he's running all that. And then we've match recruited like a new client manager, a yeah. girl from um, London. Yeah, she, she, she moved up. She was at one of the bigger firms. Um, but as, as with anything, I think it, it's, 
it's you know that any all the staff members have, have required quite a lot of input and time from us so um you know it, it, i think it's it is what it is we need we want things done as we we expect them to be done and we can't just you know bring somebody new in and just you know let them do do what they want because you know that all the um all, you know all the good cvs we've seen you know the if, if they would come on board they wouldn't they wouldn't have what we what we want so we we spend we, we spend quite a bit of time on doing things like loom videos and and stuff like that so we standardize our processes and it's quite easy for the for the staff members to to um to pick up yeah so and i think another thing as well sorry to drag on we um so last year we we start, took our first philip philippine employee uh employee, employee <laughs> in the words out and um that's worked really really well because with their time difference you know it's kind of you know we're working 15 16 hours in some cases so it's it, it's really good from that point of view yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so is that um is that offshoring where you've got access to yeah i guess one employee right so they they work solely for you how have yeah. you found that kind of uh you know bringing them into the team and uh you know making yeah. sure that they're still uh, part of the team and the training and everything else that goes along with having kind of you know employees offshore how do you manage that well that so i took the first one on um in july last year when we were still in pretty much lockdown um and yeah i mean it, it was again a month of just pretty much pure training um so she was a bookkeeper and she's turned into a you know an accountant who's posting jobs for us prepare you know taking accounts to full full prep and doing tax returns for us um after that we took on an administrator to do very basic hmrc um, authorizations and things like that and now she's doing all of our um all, all of our onboard internal reports for our um you know for all the staff and things like that so and i think now we've got six six or seven in in um in the philippines so yeah it works works nice and how do you so how, how does the training work then is it all just kind of following a process or is it you guys or is it your client managers who is responsible yeah. for training these people to get them to the standard that you know you would expect we, them to we, be because it's been, it was fairly new to us it was we we're the ones who spent the time i you know i, I did the loom videos jonathan spends the time on zoom calls with, with with the team over there um but yeah i mean the, there was a bit of a I think at the start there was a bit of a um there was a bit of pushback from the team because it was it was completely alien to them um you know even working with zoom it was yeah. difficult for them but you know it, it, now it's brilliant it's yeah. working really well now we take if we take on a new one we don't have to have really involved get involved in it like training them the client manager will train them yeah also we've got like a, a couple of the girls in the philippines who are great so they obviously help train them as well so the client managers will review the jobs that they do and send back the notes and say this is you doing wrong or they'll have a zoom with them they'll plan the jobs in so basically we spent the time at the start to make sure the process is perfect with the videos and then basically the girls now and the, the lad the lads in there in the office have took over from there really so they know that they can just train them fully through a mm. couple of questions coming in in terms of where did you source those uh those staff in the philippines did you use an agency or go direct uh you know what's uh we um i had a chat with nikolai Nela, so intelligent outsourcing and um yeah we've just we just stuck with them works really well highly recommended yeah brilliant fantastic and uh no doubt your loom videos are stored in which software um notion 
the ocean. It's, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been brilliant. Love it, yeah. love it. Um, just in terms of the question, in terms of does she contact pints directly? Mm. Um, yeah, she does. In terms of emails, um, but you know, again, at the first there was a bit of hes hesitance from from us as to whether we should be letting the, let them contact the clients. But you know, the clients now they realise that they they're doing the job you know much more efficiently than what, what we are because we're advising clients they're just they're just cracking on with the work so mm -hmm. um so clients are, clients are okay with it yeah okay with it i think in terms of recruitment as well we basically mainly made sure all our processes are perfect and anything we can streamline we've obviously done i know obviously we've sort of created uh our own company within the tech tech stuff recently but we anything that we can sort of streamline in terms of work papers, in terms of bookkeeping, how to get that more efficient, how to get it done quicker. Yeah. We always review that every two weeks and we always make sure we have a plan in place. If we think that we can make something better, then we'll obviously always try and do that and in and basically integrate it within the practice. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. That's probably going to be the answer or part of the answer to this question from uh, Ahmad, I believe. How do you free yourselves from being the bottlenecks as you were growing, for example, reviewing year-end accounts? Who reviews those? Yeah, we so we've, we've got a process in place for reviewing accounts. Obviously, we still need to sign off accounts um, you know, as, as a practice owners. And also, you know, if we pick up Again, either on, on an opportunity or a, a silly error in the accounts. Again, we're the one reviewing it. But the actual review process and even the process of getting the job to to the review stage, I think we I think we've nailed it down down really well. And um, you know, from the, the, there isn't any any real times now where we we're the bottleneck anymore. Yeah. If anything, it's the client <clears throat> managers because. The bookkeepers are getting jobs to the client managers so quickly, and the client managers are taking, um, you know, nothing too long, but that they take the time on the jobs, getting the right for come, comes to yeah to us. So um, we, we I do agree. We definitely were the bottleneck at one point. I think yeah. is a point that every yeah. business order becomes a bottleneck, and we were at one point. But we just had to basically look at our processes, look at our training, make sure we train the staff properly, and how to. Get that done we created like checklists for the staff to make sure they following that on each job so like there's a vat review checklist there's a year-end review checklist all that sort of stuff yeah and we just had to put a lot of time in to get them to where they need to be to basically remove us out of that situation because like you say there's only so many hours in the day you can if you're discussing jobs you're speaking to clients you haven't review every account job that goes out Obviously, you can you can never keep up with it all. But yeah, we were at one point. We just had to sort of concentrate on removing ourselves. Yeah. I think if if there was a time when there was then we there was a huge bottleneck um, in terms of disgruntled clients, um, late you know late filing things like that was probably just before this time last year. Um, you know, we because we had no staff in between the first lockdown. And pretty much up until the September afterwards, and some of our staff were only focusing on doing furlough claims. It didn't mean that a lot of our clients were, weren't getting the service because we, you know, we were, um, you know, trying to support the clients with the advice, so we couldn't, you know, we couldn't even review review jobs. So up until probably yeah February March last year, which is when we kind of uh, started developing the stream and started testing it. 
up until that point, you, there was a huge bottleneck. But after we've nailed down the processes in the last 12 months, it's, um, yeah, there's not there's no bottlenecks yeah. really. Um, so it's, it's nice. Yeah. I think it's going to be like completing year ends two months after at the latest, basically, hopefully by Maybe. the end, end of May. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's what it's all about. You know, it, you know, yeah, practitioners often, often ask, how would you reduce the bottle? Like it is, it is just through that. It is, it sounds so simple, but it is difficult to execute, but it is all about the, you know, having the processes, the checklist, training the team to actually do it, letting go of that control and not feeling that you have to do it all. Your people can do it. It is something that can be trained, coached and having the checklist in place and the process in place for people to follow to get it to the to the desired standard. So uh, yeah, hats off to you for doing that because I'm guessing you're probably in terms of number of clients that you two manage between you is probably in the in the thousands, is it? Yeah, we've got um, we've got a good bit. And obviously, we've got the office in Sherman now, so they took they obviously look after quite a bit over there as well. We've got a great team over there, so yeah, I think. Um, well, look, we we have this conversation quite a bit. Yeah. Businesses, we've got about twelve hundred, but if you've got one company where it has three three directors, headcounts, I think we've got all 1700 uh, So. Um, but it's about knowing what to delegate as well. You know, I used to be terrible for thinking, you know, if there's changes to do your job, it's much quicker for me to do it myself, but it's not. If you just make the notes, have a discussion with the team member for them to make the changes, yeah. or do a, you know, if it's a team in the Philippines, do a quick loom video, explain what needs to be done. And that's a 30 second job instead of a 10, 15 minute job. Um, where you do it yourself, so it's like you said, Reza, it's letting go of the control, really. I think that yeah. was the hard part having the confidence to do it. But obviously, we was we sort of tried to keep off all of the bit for quite a lot, like a longer period of time than we should have. But once we did, sort of, then that's when it eases off a bit, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we often think that you know, oh, it's just gonna be quicker if I do it, but if you keep doing that, then you're never going to be able to pass off your workload onto somebody else. So yes, it's going to take you a little bit longer, but now with tools like Loom that we have available or voice notes, you can do a quick 30 minute, sorry, 30 second, two minute video where you're actually training and coaching someone else to do it, meaning that they can do it going forward. And again, to reduce bottleneck, you know, it, rather than you responding to a client when they send you an email, forward it onto your team member, help them with the with the answer, let them send out the response so that the client knows that next time we're going to contact the client manager and not you guys directly. And that's how you get yourself out from uh, from the day to day. So just on that particular point, uh, Ahmed, a quick uh, follow up. Do you have all the year end client meetings or do your client managers do those? Most are done by the client managers. Most. Um, we'll... The, the meetings we'll have is general catch-ups. So we, you know, it, we, we wouldn't, these days we don't take, say, a work, a work paper file to a meeting. That's all done by the clients, uh, the client managers. When we speak to the clients, it's literally a catch-up and that's what that's what clients clients like. All the figures are daily discussed. We'll just look at tax planning methods on sort of what we can do going forward. If there is anything we can do back to it for them, great. Yeah. We have all the figures and everything are already sort of nearly nailed down with client managers, all the queries are sort of with them. We're just basically the final port of call to see if there's anything final we yeah. can do. Clients, clients still like the idea of having a quick conversation with us before they do sign the, sign the accounts. So they know that we've, we, we're kind of giving the approval as well. Um, so, but we, 
you know, we, we like that. We don't mind that. Mm, fantastic. Uh, question from Bev, and there's another one as well uh, linked to that. So is your structure bookkeepers, client managers, and then you guys pretty much? Yeah. Yeah, it, we, we work in, I think pods is the best way to explain it. So underneath both of us, we have um, two or three client managers each. Underneath them, there's two or three bookkeepers each. Um, we, we share two, two admins. And then, um, the and then there's a payroll team. And it's the same in the, in, in the Sherburn office. Um, so, yeah, bookkeepers, client managers, we, we, we're discussing um, at some point, probably in the next year to two years, getting a, bringing in a management director. And um, we've been a couple of times, but it's, it's kind of known at what point um, at what point that would work. And if that did, if we did do that, you know, is it other clients going to still come to us? Because then it kind of defeats the purpose. So, um, yeah. So, well, yeah. yeah, we always have a pod. So each each client manager have their own bookkeeper. Yeah. Then obviously they'd be under a director, and then each director has their own payroll, like payroll processor as well. Fantastic. Good stuff. All right. Well, we've got time for one more question. Uh, time flies and having fun. Uh, this one from Neil that came in earlier. How often do you re reprice existing clients? Are they on minimum annual contracts or do you flex based on changing workloads? So I know you've done a lot of work on this uh, in the last year or so, and uh, we've worked on this as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. How, how are you doing this now? How often are you repricing? And how have you kind of transitioned across from that uh, billing post? Year end to actually getting the cash in a lot faster. If you're not carrying those huge debtors. Yeah, well, we I think in answer to the last point, we um, we work on a monthly um, you know a monthly direct debit process, but that does flex. So if you know if a client takes on ten more employees in in the month, then the next month we we look to adapt um, adapt adapt direct debit. In terms of repricing, yeah, I mean, in since so September October, we um, we embraced the go proposal um, mentality. Um, we were we were using practice ignition before, and we still we still got some some clients, some stragglers on practice ignition, but we just need to switch them across. Um, but for us, because we had so many clients where we um, we hadn't repriced in in a while, we did. We did a blank, I wouldn't say a blanket increase, but we had a process where if if the fee increase was less than £30 a month, we would send them an email explaining why we're doing doing the increase and just explain in the email that we're, we're going to increase the data debit, you don't need to do anything. We had no pushback from that. But in any kinds above £30 increase, um, it was it was literally send, um, send them the same email invite them to have a discussion and get them, but they get them to sign off the agreement first. To, um, so, you know, there's a, there a couple which really big increases, maybe two, three hundred pounds a month. Once we sat down and had the conversation with them to explain why it's increased, they were fine. Yeah. Um, I think, I think across the board, Johnny lost two clients and they both came back <laughs> with a new fee. So it was like, brilliant. Because um, suppose it was either we lose a client where we, they're not paying us the right fee, um, or we get them on a, a suitable fee, which we can then spend, assign more resource to their, mm. to their job. It's definitely helped. The calculator within Go Proposals helped massively. We can obviously see 
what needs to be done and how much we actually doing for a client and things like that as well. Obviously, getting the the um, the stats out from that. I mean, in terms of reviewing it, we'll be reviewing it every April now, no matter what, in line to the inflation rates and things like that. But I think we're just going to monitor it every three to six months just to make sure that clients are still, you know, you're going to, you might get a client who'll just go from here to, to here and all of a sudden the transactions have, you know, quadrupled and you've got more staff on. In that case, we would reprice them straight away. Obviously, most of the time we're going to do like a new proposal every April. If obviously it's around the same, we'll just obviously increase it because of inflation mainly. So yeah. they are the sort of reviews that we're going to be looking at. But we were exactly the same where Mike Matt said we used a practice ignition. Our pricing wasn't consistent across the board. People were pricing differently and things like that. This now has helped us price consist- consistently, get direct debits on more and things like that as well. So it's actually helped us massively, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the team are... They're engaged on it now. So yeah. whereas we, we we spent the time getting the repricing done and just you know casting our eye over it. Now going forward, part of our year-end process is you know, before they before they pass the job for a review, they go proposals, um, go proposals reviewed to see if it's so satisfactory going forward. Um Brilliant. That, that gets signed off and discussed by by whoever has a discussion um, at, at the year end yeah. meeting. So. Fantastic, excellent. Well, we're we're out of time, but it's been uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. If you're watching, I know you've uh, hope you got value from it uh, and give you some uh, you know some motivation, some inspiration as to what is possible. Just to just to finish with. What um, we'll, we'll go for two pieces, one from each of you. What one bit of information advice would you pass on to say a practice owner who's at the say the hundred k, two hundred k mark to get to that million? What uh, what one piece piece of gold do you want to leave them with today? We'll go to you, Matt, and then to you, John, and then uh, and then we'll close off. From my point of view, it's just always be for, for the clients, just always be as available as you can. You know whether it's. You know, if the client calls you, just make sure you get back to them. Because um, the clients that we pick up from other accountants, it's not because they, they, they're not great accountants, because they're not they, they're hard to get hold of, um, as you were, saying, you were saying before. So for me, it's like, you know, even if you have a, a, a personal and a business mobile, give give the mobile number out instead of the office number, and that, that'll help. That'll help massively. And, you know, try just make make an effort because it's amazing how many other accountants don't make an effort yeah we can see that so fantastic so invest in the in the client experience from matt what about you john for me there's a couple of things really i would say processes massive <clears throat> for me making sure they're streamlined if you streamline your practice you're going to be basically doing jobs a lot quicker and just basically making sure that relationship with your client where you're the first part of call for them they're going to come to you for absolutely everything and you can dictate what you need to do with them from there. And once you've got that relationship, it becomes more personal. And that's when basically you'll get more referrals. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you very much for uh, for sharing that, uh, Matt and John. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to be here today and to share your uh, your journey with everyone watching. I hope you got value from it. If you are watching this on replay and you have any questions, pop them in the comments below, tag any of us, and hopefully if we're around, we'll be happy to uh, to answer. Otherwise, uh, yeah, take care, have a great day, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for yeah. now. Thanks, Thanks, Cheers, guys. Take care. See you. See you.
Thank you for listening. For more free content, videos, and resources, visit www.rezahuda.com. And if you haven't already, come and join the community in our Transform Your Profits Facebook group, where we support each other to build more successful, profitable, and impactful accounting firms.